I love how you come and lift up your voices as we sing. The one thing the church can do in harmony together all at one time is lift up our voices in praise and song. And you do it very well, and thank you for that and coming into the presence of the Lord. We have a group in our church. We have a lot of ministries that this church does. And there's a place for every person to use their gifts and their talents, their spiritual gifts in the Lord. But one of the ministries that's been going on a long time that I have just admired and enjoyed seeing the things they've done in the past and know the things they're doing in the future is a ministry we call the Master's Builders. Not the Master Builders, but the Master's, Jesus Christ, His Builders, started as a group of primarily retirees going and doing work projects here in Texas and beyond the borders of Texas and going and doing construction work in the kingdom of God. Now, when I've gone on the group, they make sure that I get something that is kind of to my level. That is, I can carry the nails to the guys who put them in. Uh, Pretty much, I am not, by nature, someone who builds. I enjoy it. I will try to do my best. But you know what I have learned? That if you're going to do a building project, you want to have someone around that can tell you how to do it. And when you're learning how to do a building project, you need to go to the expert and let them teach you how to do it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul opens up in verse 10 as he's talking to the church at Corinth about all the things God wants them to be. Paul says to them in chapter 3, verse 10, By the grace that God has given to me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. That can also be translated as a master builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. Paul is writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit this letter to a church that is strategically planted in their world, filled with people that have every spiritual gift among them that God could pour out just like you, filled with people with talents and abilities that God has given them in their shape, that they can make an incredible impact in their world and beyond, just like you. And the Apostle Paul wants them to be all that God wants them to be, and he wants them then to understand how they can be a well-built church But at the same time, I want you individually, as we walk through this today, to understand these principles that we're talking about in the church apply to your individual life and to mine. To be all that the Father would have us to be, He wants us to be well-built. And He is the ultimate master builder. But there are some principles we find What is, what does it take to find a well-built church and a well-built life? Well, the first thing we need to understand is that a well-built church and a well-built life is founded upon Jesus Christ. Paul writes in verse 11, 
And he says, but each one should be careful, as he says, how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. The Taj Mahal in India was built around, actually over 360 years ago. The Taj Mahal was built, it took 20 years to build, 20,000 men were conscripted and forced to work on it. As you know, it's an architectural marvel and one of the most famous buildings in the world. You also probably know that the Taj Mahal was not built as a palace for someone living. It is a mausoleum for someone dead. One writer described and said, what an absolute waste of human resource that went into something that did not provide anything productive, but it ended up providing simply a place for a dead person. 360 years later, the Taj Mahal is actually in threat. Some experts believe that it could literally collapse within five years. The reason is because the Taj Mahal was built on a foundation, fascinating in its foundation, but still it's built on a foundation of wood. And that wood is starting to deteriorate, and inside the structure is beginning to have cracks, and it's possible it could come down. The most important part of any building is the foundation. And the church and in your life, the question is, what foundation are you building your life upon? The religions of this world are built upon the foundation of human men. Whether that is Muhammad, whether it's Buddha, whether it's Joseph Smith, whether it is the atheistic Karl Marx, the religions of this world that are seeking to reach up toward God or to ignore God are built on human men. The foundations of those religions will crumble. They will crack. They will wear away. They will not last. But the foundation of the church, the foundation of life, is a divine foundation. In John 1, 1, John writes, and he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God was the Word. The Word was God. John 1, 14. And the Word became flesh, Jesus, and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We read it in our scripture today. Jesus asked His disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter made this confession. The Bible tells us in Matthew 16 and 16, Peter said, say it with me, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. It is that confession that is the foundation of then the church that Jesus Christ is fully God, fully man, came into this world, lived a perfect life, died for our sin, buried in the tomb, rose again, lives today, and offers eternal life. That confession is a foundation. He is divine in its foundation, 
And that foundation stands secure. Anyone and anything else that you were to base your life upon other than Jesus Christ is Lord and I've given him my life. Anything else, sinking sand, and it will not stand secure. The foundation of life, the foundation of a church to be well built must be solidly understanding Jesus Christ is Lord. Its foundation is Jesus. Second thing, a well-built church and a well-built life, it's formed with spiritual materials. Let's look at verse 12 through 15. Paul writes and he says, If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss, he himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Now, once you have the foundation, which you cannot build yourself, it's already laid, it's found in Jesus Christ. Paul then asks the question, what are you building then up on that foundation? And Paul gives two categories of the things that we do in our life. One category is called gold, silver, costly stones. These are attitudes and actions that are reflective of the character, the nature of God. They are things in my motive, my attitude, and the things that I do that would seek to fulfill my purpose, to glorify God, and then work with Him as He builds His kingdom. Not my kingdom, not your kingdom, but His kingdom. They are things that are done in faith, because whatever is not of faith is sin. And so, in my life, whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it's at your work, to understand that God puts you in a unique position, that your life is to be a reflective testimony, to give glory to God wherever you are, by the way that you act, the things that you think, the way you behave, and that you are a part of working with Him to build His kingdom. And those are gold, silver, and costly stones. But Paul says, we can also build with wood, hay, and straw. Reality is we can do things in our life that look good on the outside, morally, physically. We can go through motions, and yet God knows the heart that many times the things that we do are really carnal and worldly, and they're self-centered. They are rooted in me first and my own attitudes, my own preferences. They're not done in faith, but they're done in the flesh. 2008, a massive earthquake hit the Sichuan province of China. Approximately 80,000 people died in that earthquake. 7,000 school buildings collapsed during that earthquake and over 5,000 children died when buildings collapsed on top of them. The Chinese government went and did a look at all the buildings that had collapsed. There was one commonality that was in every building. And it was the buildings were built with poor quality materials. They may have had a good foundation, in fact, 
but the materials that were built to build up the building could not withstand the rigors of an earthquake. There are two judgments that God speaks about in his word. One is a judgment to determine, did you or did you not in your life come to a place in your life where you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord and you received him as your Savior in your life? The Bible says that the moment that I gave my heart to Jesus when I was just a young boy, God wrote my name in his Lamb's Book of Life. I'm not a Christian because of anything I do. I'm not a Christian because of my parents. I'm not a Christian because I'm a Baptist. I'm a Christian because I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. That sealed me forever. And the Bible talks about a second judgment. There's a judgment that believers will go through. It's a judgment that deals with what did we do with the life then that we were given after the Holy Spirit came to dwell in our heart. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul says in verse 9, he says, So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Paul says to the people of Corinth in 1 Corinthians, the day will declare what kind of works and what kind of attitudes and actions you and I had in our life. No one else will be responsible for what my attitudes and actions were, and no one else will be able to have responsibility for yours. The writer of Hebrews tells us about an awesome God, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I want you this morning, child of God, to understand that you can trust God's love, His grace and mercy. There is no need to cower before him in fear and dread. But when the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is an awe recognizing that I stand before a holy, just, almighty God who sees and knows everything I think, I say, and I do. And one day he will be the judge of all of that accordingly. I grew up, I wish every kid had parents like mine and I want you to be parents like mine parents who made sure we were in the house of God that taught us at home and I'm so thankful for you young parents and watching you have your children here and in worship and the learning I want to tell you just real quickly about when I grew up my dad was not a real good disciplinarian my mom had no problem at all I respected my father I feared my mother. I, I got, did not do a lot of things in life that could have got me in trouble because she always knew. I don't know how. She just always knew. She did have a statement she made to us one day. 
She said her philosophy was you ought to spank your children every day. Because if you don't know what they did wrong, they will. Now, she didn't really do that. It was about every other day. Sometimes I thought CPS should have been called. She was a godly woman. Let me tell you what happened over the years. I grew in my love for that woman. I mean, I loved her as my mother, but when I began to see how she dealt with the cancer that hit her when she was around 46, and I began to see the faithfulness of her and how she dealt with her impending death one day, and I began to see the love that she had for the Lord. I got to tell you something. My mother used to sing, and she was a operatic kind of singer. When I was little kids, and she would sing, I'd be embarrassed because she sang out so loud. And I'd give anything if I could hear it one more time. When I was in my early 20s, I would have loved to have heard her sing again. And I'll tell you what, I got to the point in life, and I hope everybody would be this way, where I didn't, I didn't want to do things, not do things that were wrong, and do things that were right, not because I thought I would have punishment, but I did them then out of love. I wanted my mom, my dad, to be pleased and to be proud that they had a son who sought to live in a way that would be honoring to the family name and reflective of the upbringing that we had. In the family of God, you have a heavenly father that loves you with an unending love. He has given you the very best when he gave himself to do for you what you could not do for yourself, and he literally died for you. He offered you eternal life. You accepted it by saying, Jesus, come into my heart. How in the world, as we grow in our maturity... Could we not have a love for the Father that says, Heavenly Father, I love you, and I want to be a part of your kingdom, and I want my life in such a way that wherever I am, whatever I do, I want my attitude and my actions to be pleasing in thy sight. What are you building on the foundation of Jesus in your life today? Gold, silver, costly stones are things of love. And being patient being forgiving of someone else when they hurt you, of having faith and prayer. Their actions that are involved in service and ministry and stewardship with the resources that God gave to you, that you might not only bless your family, but he gives them to you that you might be a channel of ministry in this world. They are things of reaching out, as this choir sang about sharing Jesus. And in a few weeks, on February 17th, we begin our spring semester for faith. And many of you still haven't gone through a training to learn how to share your faith in a very simple way. And I want to challenge you today to please the Father and do something that is right in line with what He's called you to do and Come join and let us put you on a faith team that you can watch and grow and learn and how to share your faith.
good church is built with spiritual materials. A well-built life is built with spiritual materials. Third, a well-built life is filled with the Spirit of God. Verse 16 and 17, the Apostle Paul writes, and he says this, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. There are two times in Corinthians that Paul talks to us about God's temple. Here, and in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19, where Paul says your body, this physical body, kids, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, the temple of God was a physical place where the manifest presence of God dwelled. Now, listen, God never was so enamored with the physical structure of the temple. It was a beautiful place, but he allowed the temple, the physical temple for the Jews to be destroyed, not once, but twice. The temple God's really referring to is the body of Christ. It's the people of God. It's the people. The church isn't a building. The church is you. And wherever the people of God are, that's where the church is. You are the temple of God. In chapter 6, it refers to individual. In chapter 3, he's referring to plural. He says, all of you collectively, the church, you are the temple of God. And the Spirit of God dwells among you. The church, the people of God, not a building, but the people of God are holy, sacred to him, very dear to his heart. God also speaks of the church body as a bride of Christ, the bride of Christ. I look behind me and you know which one is my bride. I admit I'm prejudiced toward her. I've been a Baptist pastor long enough to know this. Shockingly, not everybody's always going to agree with the pastor. And shockingly, some people actually have criticized him. I'm big enough to do that and to take that. And folks, that's okay. Don't ever say anything to me about her that is not the best. You can say what you want about me. But I will be on you. I know she's not perfect. But I don't ever want you to tell me she's not perfect. You understand that? I wish every husband would do that with his wife. And I wish every parent would do that with their kids. The whole point is that God gave us a picture in our families. Of how he feels about his church. When anybody ever comes and they tear down God's church and they criticize God's church, he knows we're not perfect. He knows we have our faults. But when the people of God end up criticizing their own church or other churches, he takes it very seriously. God calls us to love her, to pray for her, to encourage her. She is the bride of Christ. And as the temple of God, we ought to build her up and let her shine for Jesus. And so we speak positively and fill with the Spirit. We love the temple God gave. 
And then the final thing, to build a well-built church, not only is it filled with the Spirit, but it is forever blessed. Would you look at this? What Paul ends up saying in verse 18, don't deceive yourselves. If any of you thinks he's wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool, so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it's written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then there's no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the present or the future. All are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. He just soars to some heights right here. The world outside does everything their own way without regard to the counsel of God. They turn everything upside down. And look what it gets you. It gets you a society where people don't know how to handle disagreements. They don't know how to handle their anger. It ends up getting you a society where you have the new towns and the Coloradas and all those things when the world ignores the things of God. And yet the church, the people of God, they know the truth, founded upon Jesus Christ. They end up having spiritual attitudes and actions that are different from the world. They live by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they love God's bride and his church. And then they understand what a future they have forever blessed. I heard of a young man that wanted to come to America from another country, a very poor, impoverished country, but he never would ever be able to afford a ticket. In the days when there wasn't a plane and he had to take an ocean liner, he met a man, a wealthy man, that ended up buying him a ticket. He was going to get to come to America. He boarded an ocean liner. He thought this was <coughs> marvelous. But the problem is, it was a long voyage, and he had no money in his pocket. All he had was that ticket. He went to his cabin. And there he sat, and then he would come out at night, and he'd walk around. And because he couldn't afford to eat, he went and got crackers and things that were left over. Finally, a crew member caught him one day and saw what he was doing and said, Why are you lining your coat? Why are you getting all these crackers? He said, Well, I don't have any money. I can't afford to eat. The crew member just kind of shook his head and said, Don't you understand? When you got the ticket, everything was included. The meals, the entertainment, everything on this ship is yours because you hold that ticket in your hand. When you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, God gave to you not only the foundation for life, but he gave to you his spirit, say down payment on what is to come. The best is always yet to be, church family. Not only for us, but as individuals. The best is always yet to be. And what God asks us to do is just simply cooperate with him. To let him build into our lives his purposes and his glory. Church family, build well. Let's pray. Now, Heavenly Father... I thank you the foundation of this church, the foundation of a life that is well built is found in Jesus Christ. There may be someone here today 
that needs to come to grips with that very first decision, what will I do with Jesus? And I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit is bringing conviction to that heart. Don't put it off. Give your heart to Jesus. I pray, Father, for that individual, that family that needs a place to plant their lives so they can be a part of working with you to build the kingdom. That God, this is a place you want them to be, to plant their lives in this family. I pray, Father, you'll draw people to yourself in that way as well. Many of us today simply need to do some business right now about attitudes and actions that we've had that, Father, have not been pleasing in your sight. And, Lord, in those areas, I pray that the Spirit searches every heart. Father, your x-ray will cause us to say, Lord, here I am. I recommit myself fresh to you. I don't want to displease you. I want my life to please you. So, Father, there's some that you're calling privately to just really make that decision. Father, I pray that there's revival in hearts right now. For Jesus' sake, will you stand very quietly to your feet? The altar is open for anyone to pray for this church, to pray for your own life. But somebody, God's calling you to come in your spirit. He's drawing you. We welcome you right now. Right now. Just 